0: Welcome to Leveraged Lifestyle, the podcast that shares with you the mindset and skill set it takes for you to create your ideal leveraged lifestyle, whatever that might look like for you. Please welcome your host, entrepreneur, world record holder, and globetrotter, Catherine Turner. Hi
1: there, and welcome to this special episode of Leveraged Lifestyle. I've taken inspiration from Gary Vee, who likes to repurpose some of his interviews, and I've done exactly the same with this episode. This is an interview I did with Peter Jones of the Progressive Property Podcast just before I was launching Leverage Lifestyle Podcast. So it goes into some of the reasons why I launched this podcast, but ultimately it is a property podcast. So it details my journey in property investment, which I think you may find useful, mainly because I share many of the mistakes we made, some of the challenges we faced, but ultimately how through keeping going and keeping at it and knowing we were on the right journey, how we then found the strategy we do now with service accommodation, and also how we've been able to systemize and outsource and leverage, and how we now share that with others. So, I think there is a lot to learn in this episode. And Peter asked some really insightful questions. I've known Peter for a few years now as well, so he kind of knew some of my journey. And I share about why I quit my job, how we. Uh, essentially funded our very first investments as well, giving maybe some insight into how you could do that. Maybe if you're looking to find funding for your business or your property journey. I also share about how to find the right business partner for you. And there are, well, hopefully you'll just enjoy some of the mistakes we made so that you don't have to. Um, so I hope you enjoyed this episode, a bit of a special one. This is my interview with Peter Jones on the Progressive Property Podcast.
0: Hi, I'm Peter Jones, Chartered Surveyor, Author and Property Investor, and this is the Progressive Property Podcast. And I'm really delighted today because I'm joined by Catherine Turner. Hi, Catherine. Hi there, Peter. How are you doing?
1: Very well, thank you.
0: Very good. (laughs) Now, you may know Catherine from the Progressive community because Catherine, you've been a lady building wealth, women building wealth, past yes, the team. Indeed. Also big in Amazon. Yes. But primarily, of course, it's property. This is the progressive property podcast. So we're going to be talking mm-hmm. today mainly about your property antics.
1: Yes. So,
0: well, I say antics, <laughs> investing, I should say. So, how long have you been in property, Catherine?
1: So, I first started kind of getting myself educated in property. As I know, there's many ways to do it the wrong way. Um, Having seen, uh, you know, cash in the attic or not cash in the attic, was it? Homes on the the hammer, all the stuff. Mm. Still cash in the attic, people still selling stuff and (laughs) doing things wrong. Um, But yeah, all those sort of kind of programs and seeing people lose money. Uh, So I got myself educated towards the end of 2011, beginning of 2012. um, With another company, not progressive, I know. Uh, (laughs) Shouldn't be done, but actually gave me um a real learning lesson about what I want from a training company and actually how progressive were different. Um and yeah and then actually my first buy to let we let out September 2012.
0: Right. Now obviously we're not gonna name names and this <laughs> no, no. isn't really about you know promoting the training. But it's interesting, isn't it, the difference that going to different trainers can actually make and I suppose a cynic listening to this is would say, well, you're bound to say that anyway. But actually, it makes a big difference, doesn't it? Yes. So, so what was it that you found that was different when you did come to Progressive?
1: The biggest thing, and I'm sure lots of people have probably said this to you before as well, Peter, is the community. It was the sense of family that you get here. Uh, bearing in mind, I came to my very first Progressive event in May 2013. And what are we now? 2018? And I joke to people that, you know, once you come, you never leave, but actually in the best way possible, because, you know, I I do think that everyone here who works here, whether that's um, on stage or backstage or in the office or whatever like that, they've all become very much kind of this second family. I call Peterborough now my second home, and it really has become that. And all the people I've met uh, just, there just wasn't that same sense in that first company. And it is the sense that, of what the community gives you is that handholding uh, the kind of motivation, the inspiration, and just feeling like you've got a backup and a support network there when you are doing something, maybe for the very first time in property investing um, because you know, yeah, there's potentially lots of money at stake and uh, p- lots of potential mistakes you can make. And knowing that people have got your back is a massive, massive uh, support system and makes a real difference.
0: Mm. It is so important. And I know I said we we're going to talk about the property side. <laughs> and for those, I, I can understand that somebody might be listening to this thinking, well, get on with the property stuff. But this <laughs> is so important, I think. Mm. Until you've actually tried doing it on your own, you may maybe wouldn't realise just the importance of having, as you say, that community. Mm. One of the reasons why I got involved here and I came here with you know with a fairly substantial portfolio, 35 years as a chartered surveyor. And people say, well, why would you need to be a part of it? It was all of the things you've just mentioned—that being inspired, mm-hmm. knowing somebody's got your back, just being able to share ideas—it makes a massive difference, doesn't it? Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, but anyway, the property side. So you've bought your—you bought at that time, 2012, your first buy to let.
1: Well, uh, we do it slightly differently, and I know some people start like this as well. We actually let out a property that was actually owned at that time by my mum. Okay. So when I talk about we at this very beginning stage, I uh, brought along my mum to um, the first training event that I ever did. Uh, Again, it was uh, aimed at women, which kind of then led me on to uh, creating Women Building Wealth with uh, the three other ladies. Um, Because I really did see that sometimes actually going into something where maybe you feel a bit safer sometimes as a woman, maybe it's a bit intimidating at times. Um potentially. Uh, and so I, I brought my mom along. So yeah, it was her property uh, that she owned. The idea was that, okay, if we let it out, hopefully we'll earn more uh, in income from it, then she'd have to pay in rent somewhere else. And she could then have uh, an opportunity to live somewhere else because that was something we'd, we'd lived in that property for, oh goodness me, maybe 23, 24 years by that point. So it really was an opportunity to do something different Um Dip our toes in, as it were, without having to spend out loads of money. Um, although we did use some of her, um, I think it was actually her uh, mortgage, one, when you, the endowments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, So it was actually her endowment. She cashed it in because she realised it was actually never going to pay off the mortgage. And we cashed in some of that to do it up and get it ready to let. And how did that go? Um, <laughs> mixed, I would say. A great learning experience to... Get the training and put it into practice. Uh, I really think there's something that even all the best training is, training in the world can't replicate what it's like to put it into practice. So that was a great first step, and as I say, kind of allowed us to dip our toe in the water without spending loads of money. Um, but yeah, really interesting thing. So we decided to uh, be socially conscious. And think about letting it out to the council because we knew there was a huge need in our town um, in Chumpsford in Essex. And we went down that route, and actually, the council were working with a contractor. Um, I'm not sure if I should name them because it didn't necessarily work out so well. Um, but they had a contractor they were working with to provide their social housing, and we let it out for £800 per pound a month on a three year lease. Now, there was a little clause in that lease that I was a bit dubious about and raised it with the the guy we were liaising with um, about the fact that if they couldn't find a tenant for it within two weeks, we might be liable um, or not get our rent paid essentially. And I, I said, oh, I'm not really sure about that because uh, we have no control over what tenants you put in it. He said, No, 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 it's fine. We've got plenty coming through the council. There's always someone that's needing property, and I kind of knew that was true. There were you know lots of people on the uh, needing social housing. So I let it go. Hmm, Maybe shouldn't have done. <laughs> uh, basically, uh, about we got a letter two days before our rent was due from them, letting us know that a two week period two months prior, they had not been able to let it out and that we were now going to get our rent reduced by half with two days notice. Um, so we didn't really uh, think that was a great thing. Uh, we learned a lot from that, of course. And um, we decided actually maybe these weren't the people to work with and uh, managed to work with the council and got ourselves out the lease a year early. So ah. but uh, that kind of leads on to some more things, but we'll get to that And what, what did shop. you do
0: then? You just went to a normal sort of private tenant? Wow! Well,
1: so it actually led on to the strategy that I do now. Oh, OK. So as I say, it kind of um, a big full circle moment. So there was an element um, that... Oh, this property has just been a bit of a nightmare. We haven't actually made a lot of profit from it in that time. I think the h pounds per candle month ended up bringing us in about 200 pound net cash flow split between me and my mum. Wasn't really life changing at the time. And, and so during that time, I've been looking at other options about how to invest and make some more from each property that we took on, which led me into HMOs and flips and all of that sort of stuff. But finally, really, it was this, this very first property that we started with that has led me to the strategy, um, me and my husband, and our property manager do now, which is service well, accommodation. I'll
0: well, tell you what, let's put that on pause for yeah. now, and we'll come back to that. You say it goes full circle, because around about this sort of time that your life was changing anyway. Now, you were still working at this time, weren't you? Yes. And I guess if you're on £100 a month... £200 a month split with your mum, that's probably a good thing, isn't it? That's that. But that's by that. the way, without wanting to preempt the sort of happy ending to this, anybody who's <laughs> listening to this who may be listening for the first time might be thinking, well, why on earth do property then? But, I mean, knowing what you know now, would you still go into property? A 100%, 100%. We so yeah. we're, we're anticipating a happy ending. But at that time, it's the property, you've got trouble with the council, the council's contractor, not going quite according to plan, but then there's another big life change coming.
1: Indeed, indeed. So, goodness. So, as I say, we let that out September 2012. And Wow, well, there's lots of life changes that have happened. I know I've kind of shared a few details with yeah. you, so I'm kind of thinking, which one do you mean, Peter? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, as I say, we got to, we were letting that out. May 2013, as I say, came across Progressive for the first time. And actually, their name had been mentioned to be me, Robert Mark's name, these two young guys Uh, With Their VIP program and all this had been mentioned to me uh, probably about a year before and I'd written it down. It was in some notes somewhere and I hadn't really acted on it. And then a good friend of mine who I'd met through this first training company um, invited me to my first progressive event. I met Rob Moore. Uh, There was a bit of a, again, a moment that's become a full circle moment for me fairly recently uh, where myself and my mum went and spoke to him because obviously we'd already trained with someone else. And we were deciding what to do next, really, you know, uh, you know, we spent and invested a lot of money. Um, But again, money we've got back. So, you know, I always thank property for that. And yeah, so that was May 2013. September 2013, I got married to Mm -hmm. Steve, who actually had moved in next door to that property that we let out. So that was quite funny. He was the boy next door. I was the girl next door in our early 20s. And uh, so we'll see, that was a big life change. And then 1st of November, 2013, I left my public sector job at Essex County Council. Um, I just dived right in, basically. It might have been a little bit early, potentially, some might say, but I had to just go full hog. And there was a bit of a push as well. Um, I got offered voluntary redundancy. And um, yeah, between myself and Steve, we just decided, yeah, let's let's go Cool steam ahead.
0: Right. Well, that's quite a brave move if your mm. experience in property up to that point hadn't been that positive.
1: <laughs> indeed, indeed.
0: The voluntary redundancy presumably helped. But what, uh, what, well,
1: what? yeah, it, a lot less money than a lot of people might have thought. Uh, bearing in mind, I've been there five years at the council. Mm. Uh, it was only meant to be temporary. Five years later, I'm still there. I've, I'd worked a number of jobs. I think I got about a £1,000 uh, per each year I'd worked there. Hmm. that's how much it kind of worked out, even just slightly less than that. Yeah.
0: Okay. So you're not going to keep you going for that long. No. So what was your thinking then?
1: It was, if I could put myself 100% into this, and I know uh, probably a lot of people who listen to this podcast might be thinking, you know, do they do this part-time uh, alongside their job? Do they go in feet first, all of that? And I think everyone's different. Um, the biggest thing that I, I suggest to people when they're considering the move is to look at actually what money they need. So many of us live to our means, mm. or most of us actually live beyond our means if we're mm. really uh, mm. <laughs> um, honest with ourselves. And so myself and Steve sat down, it does help that Steve's a financial management accountant by profession, got the spreadsheet out, actually worked out from a kind of zero-based budgeting uh, system how much we actually need for mortgage and uh, all the bills and, and kind of to live. And we realised Although I'd been getting, I think, roughly about 1700 from my uh, council job, I actually only needed to bring in £500 to contribute to the whole household income. Uh, And that would be fine. And we still have a little bit left at the end of the month. So, hey, that made a massive change and actually gave me that courage, for sure, to go for it.
0: Mm. That's a really interesting way of looking at it. Mm. And you're right. Most people actually look at what they're spending now as opposed to what they actually need to spend. Yeah. Financial freedom could actually take a lot less money than you actually realise you need oh, at the yeah. moment. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's but, clearly what happened to you. Yeah. So then another big life change.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You sacked your mum. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. So this is, again, another interesting thing. When, again, when I'm speaking to people a lot about who they're going to work with, um, who's involved, maybe they're just doing this by themselves to start with, And like I said, I kind of started off with my mum. She was a nurse at the time when we went to our very first training event, the women only event. And she was in a lot of actual physical pain as well. She'd been a nurse since 18 on and off. Um, But that had been her main career throughout a lot of her life. And obviously back then, um, very much manual handling and Mm. all of that. And, you know, long hours on your feet. I think she was an absolutely fantastic nurse. I always used to see kind of people come up to her in the street and uh, patients of hers. And I just thought that was brilliant, you know, that she'd made this impact. Um, But it was not going to give her the life she wanted, really. And so I wanted to create something different for her. And I think it was really just seeing that we're just too similar. (laughs) And obviously the one of the things that you would really need in, say, a business partner or people that you work with is actually you need your opposite. You need people with different strengths to you, different weaknesses to you, uh, different attributes to you. And I ended up realizing that things were not getting done because me and my mum both didn't like those things or both weren't good at those things. So she decided to create her own uh, property business around property nurse, hence um, uh, her kind of profession before. Uh, And that's great. And she's still got that going now and realized The reason that me and Steve worked so well as a relationship and as husband and wife was actually going to really help us in business as well, uh, because we we are partners and true partners in the sense that we have the same vision and values, but have completely different skill sets.
0: Mm. Which is really, again, very interesting, isn't it? Because some people might be listening to this thinking, oh, I couldn't possibly work with my partner or spouse Mm. or significant other. But it doesn't have to be a disaster, does it? Particularly if you recognise what your gifts are and what their gifts and skills are.
1: Completely, yeah. completely. I mean, one of the things, again, I don't know if you've uh, had this mentioned before, we ended up not that long ago, really, in, the, in, the t- uh, in how long we've been working together, because we're very um, self-aware about what our strengths are. Uh, but we decided to finally kind of put it to the test and do the Wealth Dynamics test. Mm. And... It, we were exactly where we thought we were, to be honest. Um, he's a lord, if anyone knows the Wealth Dynamics, and I'm a star creator.
0: Right. If you don't know, by the way, if anybody's listening doesn't know what Wealth Dynamics is, go and Google it. Very interesting insight into the type of business mind that you have, yes, essentially. indeed. Yeah, Roger Hamilton. Costs mm. about, I think, $90 to yeah. do the test, something like that, but well worth doing. Yes, yeah.
1: definitely. And actually, we then, we bought kind of a job lot of them. We had our property manager who works for us do it as well. Funnily enough, he's in the Lord spectrum as well. But I feel he has a very similar mindset to me when it comes to details and how he deals with customers and things like that. So he kind of has a a little bit of me and Steve, which is quite good.
0: Mm. So there you are. You've now got a new business partner Mm -hmm. who is also your new husband, (laughs) which many people might think is very brave. But obviously you thought about it and you realised it would work. You're still sort of reeling, well not reeling, but you're still obviously very aware of the buy to let hasn't quite worked out as you hoped it would. Mm -hmm. So you started looking for a new strategy?
1: Yes, essentially. Um, There was a couple of things on my mind at the time. So as I said, I was working with Progressive on their mentorship programme, the VIP. As I say, partway through was when um, I decided to split things with uh, my mum and work uh, more with Steve. And Really, we were looking at, OK, we don't have a lot of money. We don't have kind of savings sat behind us. We don't have family with loads of money just ready to pour into us. And so I was looking initially at rent-to-rent HMOs. Then the idea was presented to us. And actually, I believe I have to give credit to my mum for this, interestingly enough, even
0: though we... You were still talking. We
1: were still talking. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And actually, that was... um a key driver. We realised we weren't working very well as business partners and it was then affecting our relationship as mother-daughter. And I think you do have to recognise that at times. So that was a key kind of um, decision factor. So anyway, um, we were looking at, okay, how can we raise some money to invest in a property that would give us essentially a framework for potentially other investors to then say, ah, they've done it. And so that's essentially what we did. I've met a few people through networking by this point. And I, as much as I seem a very kind of confident uh, person outwards, I do public speaking, um, I have my own podcast, all of that sort of stuff. I'm actually quite shy inside. And I'm sometimes a bit scared scared about going to sort of these big networking meetings, having to chat to essentially strangers. I'm fine once I know people, but essentially strangers can sometimes be a bit daunting. And so a few things all came together at once. So the idea that my mum gave us was, what if we sold our very first home that me and Steve had bought together just before we got married and released the equity, put that into some property investments, and then go and rent uh, a property that would still meet our needs and hopefully actually be paid for by our investments and we'd have still a little bit left over. And, And the more and more I kept thinking about that, the more actually it seemed to make sense. And I've seen actually now a lot more people talk about this idea that rather than having capital sat in a property that really then becomes a liability, how about you invest your capital into property that's an asset that you're letting out and you rent your own property? And some people really get that <laughs> and other people think we're mad, um, but it worked for us. So that we, we did try and actually... First of all, remortgage. I'd left my job by that point, as I'd said. So I now wasn't very mortgageable, unfortunately. Uh, Steve was still in his job. And so the mortgage company were essentially kind of trapping us to not uh, be able to move and release as much equity as we thought you could do if we just moved and downsized. So we did end up selling. I think we released about 50 to 60K, which was great. We ended up putting part of that into our very first HMO, House of Multiple Occupation in Basildon. And another part of it, uh, why the networking was so important, is I'd met another young lady, similar age to me. It's called probably why we got on so well. And we said, we really want to build up this portfolio quickly. If we keep taking our small amounts of cash each, we might not get anywhere. How about we joint venture together and we did our first flip together? And again, it just gave us this, um, a CV essentially Uh, Because at that point, my only CV for for, for property was my very first buy-to-let, which made me £200 per calendar month. So it wasn't Mm. a great um, uh, one to have on the CV. And so that's what we did.
0: Brilliant. So you're right. A lot of people listening to this might be quite surprised at the idea of selling your own home. Mm. When I'm doing masterclass and I make the suggestion that you could look at the equity in your own home and maybe refinance some people go pale at yes. the thought, but you actually went the whole hog and just sold your, your marital home.
1: Yeah, essentially. I think there was part of me that thought, well, this isn't going to be our forever home. It was our very first home and we had a lot of great times and great memories, but I knew we weren't going to live there forever. So actually it didn't have that, um, that sense that, oh my goodness, what are we doing? It's like, actually, I think we're doing the right thing here.
0: Yeah. And the objection would probably be, well, where's your security? But your security, financial security, is actually in the investments that you put that money into. Exactly. So it's not like the security disappears. It just transfers into different assets. You've got it. Yeah. And that obviously worked. So you you, you bought a HMO, mm-hmm. you developed a HMO. We developed a To financial. be more accurate. Yes. So you bought a property and you turned it into a HMO. We did. What did that require? How much work?
1: Oh, goodness me. That was a learning curve as well, of course. Because
0: this is your first one.
1: My first one, exactly. And I think that's the thing. I think a lot of people going into it, it's that first one is your biggest learning curve and be prepared for that. For sure. We met actually some really good builders. I'm trying to remember how I found some of them now. I think it might have been through, again, some other investor friends. So that's another great thing to tap into the community. Uh, Who's in your area? Who's used builders in your area? Uh, We moved a few. I don't think we had to knock any walls down, but we did. reformat the layout of the property to get uh, another room out of it. So it ended up being four rooms, but all doubles. Uh, ideally I'd like to have gone for five, but it just didn't, didn't work, uh, the layout, but that's fine. And oh goodness me. Yeah. It was just furnishing it all, getting it all ready. Um, again, found some great contractors, did a lot of research when I, when I get into something, I really kind of geek out on it. And I want to get the lowest price, but for the best quality. And so that's essentially what I did. I used a lot of local people, local firms, and that was a great starting point, actually. Um, It wasn't necessarily very replicable and scalable, but it was a great learning lesson at that time.
0: Right. And the flip, did that go well?
1: Flip went fairly well, yes. Uh, Again, I think it's to say that property is great and you're always going to make a, a profit if you do it right but be prepared for things to not always go quite to plan. So with the flip, as I say, uh, it was my friend, Mary, who I'd met through networking. We're still great friends now. And she did a lot of the work. So I was kind of more the money. Uh, she would consult me on certain things, but I left her to a lot of it as well, just because we we're again, playing to our strengths and not mm. trying to, uh, duplicate work. So, Yeah, it went well. (laughs) It was a non-standard construction property in kind of Romford area. And so some of that brings with it its own challenges as a non-construction. Some mortgage companies don't really like them. We had obviously got a mortgage on it, fine, uh, put uh, money into the deposit and then into the refurb. Needed a a decent amount of work on it. Uh, The property looked beautiful after we had uh, refurbed it. Uh, bless Mary had put a lot of her own time into it again one of those things that you probably do with your first flip maybe not later on down the road but again great learning lessons from that and so the very first sale fell through um, when we were going to resell it fell through because basically they hadn't really taken note of it being non-standard construction and the mortgage didn't go through as planned and then they found somewhere else during this time the market was going up so actually we ended up putting another 5000 onto it for the next sale. The next sale was very funny. So it all looked like it was going fine. Mortgage was going through fine. And then for some reason, the buyer decided that um, they wanted, obviously, a property of standard construction, even though they were buying a property of non-standard construction. And they said, if I, if I knock some of the uh, plaster work and I find brick, I'll buy it. Well, they weren't going to find brick because it was concrete. Um, so we had to laugh that one off and say, well, this property is obviously not for you. Again, the property market had gone up in this just literally a couple of months and we put another five thousand onto the selling price and then it sold. So third time lucky. Mm. Uh, and as I say, another ten thousand actually added on to what then was really profit by that point. You know, we'd already uh, broken even and we're making profit. So all of that extra money was profit. And um, so I think I made. Oh, goodness me about an 11% return in less than 12 months mm. uh, on the money I put in. And, yeah, I think that worked out an extra kind of 22K or whatever back into the pot um, that I could then reuse onto the next project. So, hey, uh, lots, of, again, lessons learned, funny moments, obviously, when trying to sell it. Um, but don't be deterred. Actually, there was a, a good silver lining at the other end.
0: Right. But this was very much a period of education for you, wasn't it? Completely. Because you're still at this stage – Hadn't altogether finally settled on your preferred strategy?
1: No. And like I said, we're still really trying to push this whole rent-to-rent HMO side because now I have my HMO that I had invested in was my asset and that I had uh, money in that was making me good profit at the time. Although I was managing it, and um, that was another lesson, <laughs> uh, managing tenants. And, of course, it's not just managing them one tenant. I ended up having in that property, like I said, they're all doubles, and a couple of them were big doubles, so we had two single people in there and two couples in there because we had a license to allow up to six people in there. And so that's what we did. But of course, you're essentially now managing six people mm. all in one go. Uh, so that was a big lesson for me. Um, and we decided fairly early on with that to try and start hiring someone part time, to become a property manager for us. Um, but what I hadn't done is put any systems or, processes in place they were still all in my head uh, and funnily enough that's something we now teach people and help people yes. with in that area because I know how much uh it takes um what it takes not to have them in place and obviously some of the pitfalls of that and um yeah it was it was definitely a a big learning period through that. I ended up being not just a property manager but sometimes an agony aunt uh mediator <laughs> peacekeeper um But yeah, it definitely made me realise that property could actually now make you money because this was now making a lot more than my very first buy to let. Um, It was a great investment and actually became the very first property that allowed us to get this outside investment that I had been aiming for, essentially. Um, And it was actually someone I met at a progressive event. So, hey.
0: All good. All good. (laughs) But you still ended up selling the property.
1: We did, yes. Yes. I think one of the things is, as I say, we, we did have the property manager come along. It was actually someone I used to work with at Essex County Council. It's one of his sons. Um, so I met him through kind of Facebook, essentially. And he came and worked for us for six months. And bless him, he took on so much. Um, and it really was a big learning curve for him. We did buy another property during that time, as I say, with these investors who I'd met through Progressive, who lived abroad but wanted um, some assets here. We initially were going to do it as a joint venture. We then realised mm, maybe we didn't want to kind of uh, excuse, excuse the terminology, but get into bed with these people and, and, and be doing a kind of deal like that. So we decided to um, do it as a package deal. Uh, we got £10,000 for that. There was quite a few uh, uh, clauses in the contract to make sure we got our 10000 but we hit all the deadlines um, and we were very happy with that. And then we, again, were managing that. But it was during that time that I just thought, actually, I'm... I'm not a property manager. That's not what I want to do in property. I want to invest in property. Um, I want to build good systems around property, but I don't want to be the one having to do the day-to-day anymore. And so it was because of that uh we decided to eventually sell those properties. Um, as I say, well, we handed over the management of that that other property because I say those, those joint venture pr- uh partners owned it, and then we sold our one. Funnily enough, to someone, again, who I'd met just a couple of years before, she was investing a lot of HMOs in the area. Uh, She was very happy with the deal and um, we got a good price for it. So I think we made about, I want to say somewhere between sixty to 80,000 on that in, again, about less than 18 months. So property's great. Um, And as I say, a lot of people say hold property and and wait. We didn't necessarily do that in this case, but it was the right choice for us at the time.
0: Yeah, it's very important to know your flow, isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. And there's a very big difference between being an investor and a landlord. Yes. And you're obviously realising you want to be the investor, not the landlord. Exactly. But then you just went off. That was your ticket to ride, wasn't it? You just
1: take a break. Well, we did, essentially. Um, As I said, you mentioned at the very beginning, obviously I'm known for Amazon. We had already got that kind of going. And for me now, it's about having businesses that allow you that location freedom. And yes, we... And say, obviously, we were renting. So we again have the flexibility through renting to once we get to maybe the end of our term that we can just go. And that's essentially what we did. So, where are we now timeline wise? So, I think this is when uh, eventually all my antics (laughs) and investments had allowed Steve to leave his job in the city, which again um, was probably more scary than me actually leaving my job um, just because he earned a bit more and, uh, you know, he. As much as it was commuting time and all that sort of stuff, he, he actually enjoyed the people he worked with. And I think that's a real key thing for why people probably stay in their jobs longer than maybe they wanted to, because it's the people and the community. And um, yes, yeah, so we uh, we got him out of his job. And that was actually a really proud moment for me for a number of reasons. Steve actually always says that he never would have started if it wasn't for me. He saw himself as going to become a financial director, earning six figures plus. Then he realised, actually, it probably would have meant he'd have to work 60, 70, 80 hours plus a week. And if we wanted a family in the future, what would that mean? He wouldn't really be able to take the children to school. And that really started to make him think that maybe there was another way. So he'd been very supportive about my transition and coming out of my job and investing and all of that. And I probably didn't tell him how much I invested in my education to start with. But that's another story. Um, But he's very glad I did. And I know a lot of people probably listening to this podcast might be in similar situations with their other halves. Um, Maybe they're trying to convince them or persuade them or just do that first deal to show them it's it it works. Um, And obviously Steve's very glad I did because it allowed us to go off traveling because it's very high on my values. Uh, Steve actually hadn't been able to do a lot of that. I I did it when I was about 21, went off for a few months, Um, but that, that was my very first taste of traveling and going abroad. And actually doing it off my own dime, as it were. And so being able to go and do that again with Steve now was just the best feeling.
0: Yeah. So your Amazon business is up and running anyway, Mm -hmm. which is giving you income. But had you sort of almost thought to yourself, maybe you hadn't even thought about it, but property was not your thing and you weren't going to go back to property?
1: Potentially so. I mean, I was still very much involved in the progressive community, still doing the odd bits of training here and there, some of it more around Amazon and business side of things. And I think the actually at that time, yeah, it was before Steve handed in his notice, we had come and done the mastermind program uh, with Rob, that I'm now a mentor on myself. So I said there's a lot of full circle moments that have happened thanks to being involved with Progressive and uh, their sister company, Unlimited Success. And so we were on their inner circle mastermind program. And it was that that really, I suppose, Partly gave Steve the impetus to want to leave his job because he was traveling up after work to come to the mastermind and things and being surrounded by a lot of people within property and business and all that. And that really kind of, I think, spurred him on. So it was a great thing to bring him to. And like I say, kind of gave us the impetus to do some of the things we did, which maybe we wouldn't have done. Um, But it made us reassess what did we want from business, from investing, uh, from property? Was it going to even be property? Uh, We looked a lot at, um, at that time I was looking at public speaking and what would that maybe do for me and um, our businesses and all of that. And how could that help others? And so there's a lot of different things being considered. And again, I know a lot of people when they kind of get into this world, they're considering a lot of things. Sometimes people might call it that shiny penny syndrome, going after different strategies or different opportunities. And so I really do have to thank uh, Rob and and the people around me that actually kept me a lot more focused because I love new things, <laughs> I love change, and I love um trying out new things. But it was about okay, what was I going to do with the knowledge I'd now gained, having done now by this time a single let, uh, HMOs, steel packaging, uh, flips? What was I actually going to spend my time doing?
0: Yeah, one of the reasons why I really love your story is because it's very easy. In- when you go onto Facebook and you see people posting, to think that for most people, everything is so easy and straightforward. It's very clear cut and whatever they do works out. But actually the reality is sometimes it's hard work. I mean, property is hard work. Yeah. The concepts behind it I always say are very simple, but mm. it needs a bit of graft to get you there. Yeah. And it's very important that we decide what's in our flow. So you were kind of going through this period of self-discovery, but Cutting to the chase, it's all worked out fine, hasn't it? Because you have now settled on a strategy, yes. which is now working well for you.
1: Really well. So, again, a bit of a story behind this. Is that right? Yeah. Like, yep, yeah? yeah yep. Okay. And again, hopefully this might help people kind of figure out where they want to go. So, as I said, I've been trying a lot of the time during my, my kind of first time with Progressive, um, going through their VIP program, their, their property mentorship program, trying this rent-to-rent HMOs. Realising that actually when I looked at the property uh, kind of makeup of my town and where I lived, uh, it wasn't really conducive to HMOs. But I still really love this idea of rent to rent. So anyway, we had, as I say, managed to get this lease early through um, the council's contractor on our very first buy to let. And I was at a public speaking training event. Mm. So... As I say, these things will kind of come together. And I was chatting to one of the other uh, trainees there, who was actually a trainer also for Progressive, and he was talking about, or he was kind of practising a talk around uh, service accommodation. And so I was, my ears kind of pricked up a little bit because the uh, property we had was a three bed masonette in the middle of Chelmsford town or city. Now, as it was, became in two thousand twelve. And I thought, you know what, maybe, maybe we, what are we going to do after we've kind of come out of this lease? My mum at that point was ready to sell and just get rid of this property and, you know, kind of start all over again. And I said, you know what, mum, can I buy the property from you? I mean, although we'd got the new mortgage in both our names, I said, you know, if I buy it off you, I'll buy you out. And um, I'll take this on and try it as a service accommodation. So the... The caveat was we're going to try this for three months. And if it doesn't work, I'll have done up the property to a better saleable state. We'll get a bit more for it. And actually, it's only three months of rent that I'd have lost out on. And that's essentially what we did. So I had about a budget of 10,000. And this is again, <laughs> you thought I'd learned a lot, a lot of lessons by then. There's still some more lessons to learn. Uh, again, I, I, I was trying to find some builders. Unfortunately, the builders I've worked with on my HMOs were now too big and too good. um, And, you know, weren't doing this kind of smaller jobs. And so I again put out some of these jobs that I needed done, some repainting, a bit of plastering, all this sort of stuff. And some friends of friends of family members kind of got in touch again through Facebook and said, yeah, I can do that. Uh, I think I've been quoted for the painting about £2,000 for the whole property. And he said he'd do it for £500. And I was like, Well, I don't think it's going to end up 500, but hey, even if it doubles, that's still half the cost I've been quoted. trouble is I was paying him in stages and then suddenly I realised we were now about 1,500 in Uh. and he still hadn't finished. And I wasn't quite, there was a few things not quite going right. And I have to say it didn't end in the best possible way. I tried to be as amicable as possible and say, look, you know what? This isn't working out. This is three times as much as you quoted for. I need to bite the bullet and and stop work now. And um, what I finally did actually, and again, thank goodness for the wider community that Progressive has put me in touch with, uh, again, got in touch with um, a couple of guys that I knew were doing lots of bigger things in the SA world and and having um, you know properties done up all the time and they said, yep, yeah, speak to this guy. He's actually based in Essex. He's got loads of contractors who work for him. And by this point, I spent about £5,000 of my £10,000 budget. And I think I was thinking, oh, my goodness, I'm going to have to start all over again and it's going to cost £10,000. And I haven't got that now. Luckily, they, they quoted up the work, fixing some of the problems that had happened along the way. And it luckily came to £5,000. And I thought, goodness, how lucky am I? Um, but that was, again, a good learning lesson that actually don't necessarily work with friends of friends. And because they're quoting cheap and things like that, actually, if you can get in one building firm or contracting firm, get them to do the whole thing. And actually, because, as I say, it was through this third party who guaranteed the work. I knew I had to come back if anything went wrong. And so the refurb work took a lot longer than planned. I think we were due to kind of set up the property on, say, booking.com and Airbnb around September. It was then halfway through October. And now I'm thinking, uh oh, I'm now trying to let this property out as an essay, as a service accommodation during winter. I've heard through the grapevine, winters may be the kind of the slower period, shall we say, not where you make your most money. Well, those first three months that I gave myself, we were 100% booked out. Wow. 100% booked out. I have to say there was an element of, I always say, you know, uh, I don't like to say the word luck. It's, you know, when opportunity meets that preparation and you put it together. And there was a tour, uh, there's a panto that comes to the local theatre every week. Uh, winter period and I again Facebook uh, th- what did we do before Facebook and Google and all that sort of stuff again Facebook um, I put out on Airbnb this guy contacted me and I got his name obviously through Airbnb you don't get most details but you at least get the name and I thought mm, I know a lot of people in the theatre world it's kind of part of something I used to do kind of in the amateur way uh, a few years before and I thought mm, wonder if he knows anyone I know in, in Chelmsford I started face, you know, doing a bit of Facebook stalking and I managed to find him. He was a friend of a friend. And I said, look, you've uh, inquired through Airbnb. I hope you don't mind me getting in touch, but look, I can do you a slightly better deal and things like that. Um should probably say that, Airbnb. You'd tell me off for it, I'm sure. Um, but I think we ended up, yeah, so it was a six-week booking and we got over £6,000 income for it because mm. there was six of them in there. And that was the maximum we could have in that property. Um, and they were great. They were absolutely fantastic. We got them mince pies over Christmas time. Uh, we got them extra little bits of um, store cupboard because They had a really tight budget per person. Uh, he I don't know if this was a good thing or a stupid thing or a brave thing of him to say, but he told me their daily budget for their food and accommodation. So Hey, I, I made it work mm. to their to their budget. And it was great because it was great for us. It worked out as a great deal for them. They had a lovely apartment for their their whole run. And um, that's what got me started in service accommodation.
0: Brilliant. For anybody who's listening, SA, service accommodation, Mm -hmm. short-term letting?
1: Yeah. So essentially uh, looking at, you're essentially kind of like a hotel, but better because the people get the whole property. Um, Yeah, short-term lets. But as I say, most of ours are probably at least a week. We've had some that are even six months. Um, So when you say short-term let, it's just not a standard buy to let. And they're, they're essentially paying a nightly rate um, and getting more services, more like a hotel kind of service.
0: Mm. But you get a higher rent pro rata exactly. than a buy to let. Exactly. So you have got the taste for serviced accommodation. Yes. <laughs> what, what happened then?
1: <laughs> so uh, we were thinking, OK, how can we take on our next one? Uh, at this point, I think we would you know done some travelling, spent a bit of money, paid off some debts from uh, original trainings and things like that. And weddings and all that malarkey that had happened along the years. And so we didn't necessarily, necessarily, again, have a pot of money. And again, this was still our first one. It was still fairly new at that point, but we knew we wanted another one. And so, again, come to the progressive community. And uh, a lady here I'd been chatting with, um, and actually, I think, had met through the creation of Women Building Wealth. So, again, public speaking really has helped me um, even more in terms of getting known within the community, for sure. And she had a property in Essex, not far from where we live. She was now based up here in Peterborough and she wanted to let, she was thinking about selling it or letting it. So again, a great kind of uh, position for people to be in. And we decided, okay, well, we can either do a joint venture together and we'll split the profits or we'll give you a guaranteed rent. And then we take the profits on it. And so that's actually what she preferred to do, take the guaranteed rent. So we took on our next property like that. So essentially it was a rent to rent. And then we thought, hmm, I've been trying to make this rent-to-rent HMO thing work for a few years now. It never really worked out. I got a few inquiries and people thought, you know, I was really professional and had this, you know, looked really good, but I can't take on any properties. I'm like, hmm, rent-to-rent SA. This actually could be the strategy, the two things coming together to work in my area. And that's kind of how we've then built, I think we're now at 19 properties.
0: 19, Wow. Yeah. So you're still building your portfolio?
1: Still building. Um, as I say, the the next aim after uh, really the next steps from from here onwards are to buy some more kind of commercial buildings where we can essay a number of them and own them. Um as I say, we don't want to do one at a time anymore. We've kind of gone we've gone past that now. Um and we've got enough of a track record with all of these apartments and you know during that time uh, that we've set them up. Some of them we've handed back. They haven't maybe worked out quite as we expected. We have that kind of clause within our contract, but most of them we take on on a three year basis and I have to say during that time, we were very lucky. We had a a guy who'd contacted again. How things work in this Internet age, I'm not always really sure, but I love the fact how people can come together who never knew each other. We had uh, this really lovely guy called Ashley. Uh, Contact us through our website, which we just had designed by our first, uh, well, our second virtual assistant who we took on. And his aunt had seen it. Uh, I thought that she was some sort of headhunter for a a recruitment company. No, no, she just was his aunt looking for him, for property companies for him to be mentored by and work with. And he reached out to myself and Steve to be mentored by us. And we thought, not really something we do. Um, But he seems really keen and he's quite young. He's obviously eager to learn how about we do a bit of a quick pro crow that we would mentor him, but he would do some sort of work for us. And that's how we ran it really. And Steve became like a bit of a big brother to him and it worked out really well. And by the time we were ready to take on someone full time, he was actually ready to leave the job that he'd got at an estate agent and letting agents take all that knowledge that he'd got there and now start working for us. And um, it's been a brilliant, uh, brilliant investment for both of us actually and uh, he's an invaluable member of our team.
0: Right. So the portfolios there is of presumably cash flowing nicely.
1: Very nicely, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Enough so much that you want to actually take on more and more.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But you've got the situation now where you've suddenly gone from sort of not really sure what you're doing to doing a lot of stuff all mm. at once. I'm guessing the only way you could cope with that is by having your systems in place, you've which I it. know is very close to your heart, <laughs> isn't it? Very close to my heart. So let's talk about that then. Talk, tell right. us about systemization and leverage. And-
1: okay, yeah. So all about the leverage. So there was a bit of a, as much as our business needed it to be able to grow and scale and be able to give Ashley the tools that he needed, there was also some, an idea in our mind, mine and Steve's mind, that we wanted to start our family fairly soon. And we were still fairly involved in a lot of different parts of the business. And we wanted to get ourselves both down to a four hour work week, as made famous by uh, Mr. Tim Ferriss. And we decided, let's put this to the test because we want to take a whole month off to travel. And potentially during that time, we might see whether starting a family might be an option. So that's exactly what we did and I have to give a lot of credit to Steve as well. Uh, as much, I'm very much vision uh, strategy ideas, part of the business. He's very much systems tech. Um, my my guru, my genius behind that. And between us, we managed to do exactly what we set out to do. And we decided that this seemed to be something that a lot of people within the community were were struggling with and wanted to know more about. How can they take all these hours they were working in their day job? Now they're now now putting it into their property investing or their new business idea. And actually one of the reasons they wanted to do all this was to get their time back, not just make the money, but actually get the time back. And me and Steve had now achieved this. So we decided to take the idea to Rob Moore, who at this point about, well, when was this? This is about nine months after he had released Life Leverage, the book. And he had this idea that he wanted to create a course that was then practical and actionable, and sort of take it to this book to the next level. And it just all seemed to be very serendipitous, if that's the right word. At this time, I was, I think, twelve weeks pregnant with Ella. Obviously, now that Ella's here, and it gave us a deadline, and that's exactly what we did. We uh, we worked more hours, of course as you have to, to kind of get this ready. And we created, uh, between us, uh, Life Leverage Online Masterclass. And we launched it in November when Ella was two months old, uh, which is probably a little bit crazy, but again, it, we had to get it done. And it is, it's really helped so many people and actually such a wide variety of people that I was never expecting to kind of get involved with or work with. Um, I think we've now got well over 100 people who have been through it. Uh, the feedback we've been getting is brilliant and actually it's doing what it says on the tin. It is increasing people's IGV, their income generating value, so what they're worth per hour of their time, whether that's because they freed up time to make more money or they've just actually reduced their hours and are outsourcing it to virtual assistants or other team members or to systems and so, yeah. yeah. Well, it's
0: something which we, we should all be thinking about. If anybody wanted to actually take the course, how how do you access it?
1: Ah, So it's all online, which is great because then people can access it from wherever they want. So what I thought is probably the easiest way for people to get in touch if they want to know a bit more about it or access it is to um, come into our online community. So you can do that for free, kind of come and test us out a bit. And then if you want to know more, obviously we're in them, myself and Steve and other members of the online masterclass who can tell you more about it and get you access to it. So the short link for that is bit.ly, so a bit.ly link, bit.ly forward slash L-L-O-C-F-B group. So L-L-O-C-F-B group, uh, all lowercase. And uh, yeah, it's a Facebook online community uh, that you can come and join for free, find out more information. And uh, I'll make sure I I put some up-to-date information there about the whole course and what it entails and how you can access it.
0: Well worth doing. Now, we're almost out of time, Catherine, sadly. (laughs) But one last thing I must ask you about, of course, is your podcast. <laughs> You've been very kind to come onto my podcast, or I should say, Progressives Podcast. <laughs> Tell me about your podcast. Oh, was what, well, that all about? Uh,
1: firstly, thank you for having me on this. It's, it's been a pleasure and a, a nice trip down memory lane. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so the podcast uh, "Leveraged Lifestyle" — a bit of play on the words of uh, the "Leverage uh, Life" leverage online masterclass. So this is "Leveraged Lifestyle." This is all about creating uh, your ultimate leveraged lifestyle and. I don't think there is one version. Uh, So it's all about giving you tools, techniques, practical steps to take to leverage more of your time, increase your uh, IGV, your income generating value, to give you tips about what you might want to do once you've leveraged your time. And interviews, uh, our very first interview is with uh, the fantastic Rob Moore, uh, which I know a lot of you within the progressive community will obviously know anyway. But I really want to get down to what it is they've done to create their leverage lifestyle. Like I said, there's many different versions, so you can take inspiration, motivation, and and create your your leverage lifestyle. So yeah, I'm really excited. Um, we should be launching uh, towards the end of July, uh, two thousand eighteen. Again, all the information about that is going to be in that Life Leverage online community, uh, so LLOCFB group that I just gave you. Um, we're going to be doing some uh, great bonuses when we launch as well. So I know we're recording this slightly before we've launched our one. Uh, so hopefully by the time you listen to this, you'll be, re- you'll be ready to get involved and listen to Leverage Lifestyle. Yeah, well, we'll have to talk
0: to <laughs> Harry, the techie guy, but probably that that's will be it. launching around about the time this podcast comes there out. We go. So it's quite good timing. Perfect. So check it out. Usual places, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, I guess. Exactly. Usual things. Well, just tell us again, what's it called? So it's called Leveraged Lifestyle
1: by Catherine Turner.
0: Brilliant. Well, I'll be subscribing.
1: Thank you, Peter.
0: <laughs> thank you. Catherine, thank you for coming in. It's been wonderful. As I say, one of the things which I find very inspirational about your story is it's just so good to hear you about your struggles. And I don't mean that in a nasty way. I mean that in a, in a sort of a, a very positive way because, as I say, I think in property sometimes we can imagine it all works out so easily mm-hmm. and we see it working out so easily for other people. Yeah. But you've shown the power of, A, being very self-aware, mm-hmm. I think, of knowing what's in your flow and just keeping going. Yeah. And so often it's all about keeping going, isn't it?
1: Completely. And if if I could leave people with one thing, I think it is about not giving up, keep going, find what's in your flow, outsourcing everything else that maybe isn't in your flow. And I've become very good at that and helping others do that now. Um, Thanks to Life Leverage and Leverage Lifestyle. And yeah, keep persevering and, and... one day it might not go great, and the next day it will be your best day ever. And just enjoy those moments.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, Catherine.
1: I hope you enjoyed that special episode of Leverage Lifestyle. If you have any questions, if you want to know more details about the property journey specifically, uh, if you want to know more about the Life Leverage Online Masterclass, then do make sure you are part of the Leverage Lifestyle Facebook community. I'll make sure I get all the details in there about how you can either come and work with us in terms of uh, service accommodation, service accommodation management or sourcing or anything around that. And of course, if you want to find out more about how we help others find their virtual assistants and help them systemize, outsource and scale their businesses, then the Leverage Lifestyle community will have all the information in there. So that's bit.ly forward slash LLOCFB group and yeah any questions anything you want to know i'm in there so stephen and a lot of our team members as well so do feel free to come and join it's completely free of charge and uh, i look forward to seeing you as part of the community and remember there is no better time than now to start creating your leveraged lifestyle take
0: care